Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast AM. Richard Serrett sitting in for George Norrie. Dr. Mark Mirabello is with us. His, uh, the new book he's working on is titled Secret Societies, A Skeleton Key. Um, I wanted to ask you about the mafia because technically, I guess they are a secret society. But you say that they have, uh, since they came to North America, they've been compromised. How so? That's actually really, I'm glad you asked about the mafia because, frankly, they are. And, and remember I said that uh, there, there are two types, the overworld and the underworld. And, of course, um, what essentially happened is the mafia, starting in the 1970s, became so wealthy, uh, mainly through drug dealing and so forth, and also they were involved in various things such as construction and, and, and so forth and protection rackets. They were corrupted by the wealth. Uh, one of the lectures I give on the fall of the Roman Empire, I talk about how wealth and power corrupts. As Lord Acton said at one level, power corrupts. And oddly enough, in the 1970s and 80s, they tried to import young men from Sicily because the Americans who grew up in New Jersey, New York, could not follow the rules. But they are, um, they're very small. Uh, there's about 3,000 made men. And by the way, if you're in a New York tavern or bar and uh, some, uh, so, some fellow is trying to impress a young woman and he says he's in the mafia, he's not. No real mafia member would ever admit that he's in it. In fact, they typically deny that it exists. And the reason they do this is because you have to kill to gain entry into the mafia. There's actually several secret societies. You mentioned up earlier the Leopard Men of West Africa. There are several secret societies where killing someone is part of the initiation process. And if you are in the mafia, you're called a made man, and you have a special initiation ritual. It typically involves cutting, among other things, it's more elaborate. They cut the trigger finger on the right hand, and then you rub, keep in mind they have a Roman Catholic cultural background, they rub the blood onto what is called a holy card. This is a card with a picture of a Roman Catholic saint, and typically a prayer in the back, and they swear these oaths, including even if, you must even uh, honor the mafia, and if your brother, if you're ordered to kill your brother, you must kill him. The mafia becomes all important in your life. You must blindly obey. And incidentally, the reason people do this is once you're in the mafia, endless wealth and power are yours. Uh, in fact, it's not just the money. Mafia men, when they walk into restaurants, they're immediately served first. They don't wait in line, and all the food is free. All the drinks are free. Uh, their wives will dress in minks. It's free. People are afraid to charge the mafia. They, they again, uh, they call themselves the men of respect. And I should also mention a fundamental part of their rituals is what the Sicilians call omerta. I'm more or less butchering the Italian, even though I have an Italian last name. Omerta, which really means manliness at some level. And what it means is you are silent about the mafia, but also, for example, here's what Americans don't understand, and this is broken down in America, but not so much in Italy. If I'm a mafia, mafia person, not that I am, but if I were a mafia person and I am falsely accused of a crime and I go to prison and I'm falsely accused, the mafia person will serve the sentence. 
he's showing manliness because he never cooperates with the police or the judicial system. Ideally, he right, never right. cooperates. And he will serve the term, and then when he gets out, he will kill the person who sent him there. They see, they view vendetta, it's called, as a personal pleasure. They don't use the law. They will uh, take vengeance themselves. And incidentally, they have a myth. They claim they're fighting the occult power that rules the world. In other words, the Bilderbergers and the Trilaterals and the Skull and Bones and the Freemasons, they claim they're the ones that are fighting the occult power, the shadow governments, and so forth. And at some level, they are. And I should also mention a really interesting mafia, too, if you can call it, uh, well, the term, are the Yakuza of Japan. Very powerful. They're much larger. There's probably, as I mentioned, 3,000 mafiosi in the United States. Uh, the Yakuza are probably about 90,000 members. And they openly, everyone knows who they are, because they dress like men in black. They wear black suits, pointed black shoes. They wear sunglasses. They, they slick their hair back. Their bodies are covered in tattoos. The tattoo is interesting because in Japan, traditional Japan, tattoos were put on criminals. Ordinary people did not use tattoos. If you committed a certain crime, you'd have a tattoo on your face so that everyone knew you were a criminal. So what they're, they're flaunting the fact. Uh, and incidentally, their name comes from a losing card game, a losing hand in a card game that resembles blackjack. And they draw heavily from, now, here's political correctness that you would not hear this typically. There's a class of people in Japan called the non-humans. Officially, in Japanese law, they don't exist. They passed laws in the 19th century outlawing this, but they still do exist. Japanese people won't let their daughters date them. They live in certain neighborhoods. They're discriminated against. And the Yakuza recruit heavily from these people. We don't know their origin. To us, they look like other Japanese, but they apparently are descended from people that served in uh, taboo occupations, such as leatherworking that involved dead animals, executioners, and so forth. Some have suggested they were descended from Koreans who were brought into Japan, but they're of unknown origin. And when they join the Yakuza, they get wealth and unlimited power. Same thing with the mafia. Uh, by right, the way, the most right. powerful mafia now is the, of the Italian version, the Drangheta in Calabria. They're far more powerful than the Sicilian mob. And they're all over the world. They're not just in Calabria now. They're in Germany, they're in the UK, the United States, they're in Canada, they're in Brazil, Argentina. And um, they're incredibly rich, incredibly powerful. And Tell me about the order of assassins, Mark. When did they begin? Yes, that's a medieval, uh, that's actually quite interesting, uh, the old man of the mountain story and so forth. Uh, it was understood that, and this is how wasteful wars are. We, we recently went through this. We claimed that uh, invading Afghanistan to get bin Laden, it's far more uh, intelligent to kill one person rather than send in armies, the person's troublemaker. And the assassins started the medieval period in among, uh, uh, it's a branch group, the Ismali sect of Islam, and they swore special oaths and had levels of initiation and kept secrets. And it appears as if their higher oath was to serve the master of the order, to obey blindly. 
and they would go into deep cover, kind of like sleeper cells. And famously, one uh, Christian uh, uh, prince was was uh, killed by these Muslims pretending to be Christian converts, and they were his friends and associates for years. And then typically, out of the blue, they would stab the victim and make no attempt to flee. They would uh, be tortured, arrested, tortured, and killed, and made no attempt to flee. And um, although I, I should mention that targeted assassinations are far more common than people realize. And in fact, there's some... Um, you could argue that many people that seem to go after secret societies seem to die unexpectedly in suspicious circumstances. Um, Stephen Knight uh, was a writer in Great Britain. He, even if your audience hasn't heard of his name, they've heard of his work. He was the one that first tried to connect the Jack the Ripper murders with the Freemasons. Right. He pointed right. out that some of the... There's no doubt that whoever Jack the Ripper was was using Freemasonic emblems at the crime scenes. By the way, the five bodies of the victims who were horribly mutilated make a big pentagram in London. People, it took years for people to notice that. And he was, um, for example, at one site, he left in blood an inscription on the wall, the Jews will not be blamed for nothing. Now, if you were unaware of Freemasonry, you may think that's an anti-Semitic statement but it appears to, re, uh, to refer to the three killers of Hiram, who is the architect of the Temple of Solomon, who was killed by three men who wanted the secrets of the treasure of Enoch. The story is Hiram found this treasure, which were these golden plates that gave a hidden history of the world and hidden information. And these three men tried to extort the information. They refused to give it to them, so they murdered him. And then they uh, tried to hide the body. And then the story is King Solomon caught the murderers and killed them and buried them in a grave six feet by six feet by six feet. And the story is that, well, if you go through Freemasonic rituals, especially the third degree, uh, Master Mason, it, it, it basically um, re, it, it is in memory of the Hiram killing. And the oaths of the Freemasons take when they betray their oaths are from the way the three killers were killed. Um, but at any rate, Stephen Knight, the official story is, you can look it up in Wikipedia, he died of brain cancer at a very young age. I think it was 28, and everybody closes the book. Maybe, but we know how to um, cause brain cancer. All you have to do is put some beryllium in someone's body, and a tumor will result at the location. Uh, and it was, You can do it through a medical examination. The doctor can insert some, wouldn't even notice, He's looking at your nasal passage, and he inserts the beryllium, and you're dead. Incidentally, right. what, ab- um, what about heart attack guns? We hear about heart attack guns that you can you can create a heart attack with somebody, and, and no one will ever know that that was you know purposely done. That's exactly true. And by the way, I should also mention that Jack Ruby, the person who on national television shot Oswald, he claimed he was murdered with cancer when he was dying, but on the heart attack gun. It's actually, strangely it, it, enough, it was revealed during the Frank Church hearings in the Senate. This was post-Watergate, and the, uh, they were revealing some of the dirty tricks of the government. And they were really bizarre, some of them. They even had a plan, by the way, it never was carried out, to fake the second coming of Christ in Cuba. They were going to use this high-tech equipment to create a kind of image in the sky and loud sounds, and they thought the 
because Castro had outlawed Christianity, that the people would rise up. But the heart attack gun, the projectile is a piece of ice, which has, and it's, it's, a small of a, it's the size of a BB. And it was revealed that the CIA had developed it. This is not <laughs> mafia. The CIA had developed it. Although, by the way, CIA in some respects resembles a secret society. But they had developed it for assassins. And when you use it, the projectile, the person who's hit by it, you could be walking down the street, you'd think you were stung by an insect. It'd be a slight little uh, mark on your, for example, the back of your head. And then you would, symptoms would resemble a heart attack. And you would drop dead on the sidewalk. And then the pellet melts. So no one would find, they would see what looks like a little insect bite, a little bit of blood, just a little bit of blood, uh, almost nothing, and then the dead person. Now, technically, if you were to conduct a really serious autopsy, you could find the toxin, but it, they almost never do. People readily believe that cancer kills a lot of people, that heart attacks kill a lot of people, that strokes kill a lot of people. Um, and in fact, um, there's been some allegations. Now, let me make it clear to your audience, do not go into anti-government mode and so forth. Um, but it's really curious how, because it's dangerous, and it, it, frankly, if you overthrow the government, it will wreck us all. But how many people that go after the Federal Reserve, which conspiracy theorists call the Jekyll Island Group, because that's where it was secretly planned and then instituted into American law in 1913. Jekyll Island is an expensive resort island off the coast of Georgia. Um, Mark Pittman as a journalist, he early 21st century was the first man to file a lawsuit against the Federal Reserve um, to open their books. Their books are never audited. And he dropped dead in his 40s walking down the sidewalk. And there have been allegations that this was done to him, although I don't know if it's true. I just share information. Um, by the way, I should mention Congressman um, Lewis McFadden. He Oh, yes, he delivered that great speech about the... Uh about the passage of that uh, of that uh, bill that created the uh, the um, uh, Federal Reserve Bank, exactly. right? Exactly. You know your history, sir. And in fact, there were three attempts on his life. Uh, first, he, they used a gun. Then there was an attempt to poison him. And then the official story is he died of the flu. Okay, you can believe this one. He was vehemently opposed to the Federal Reserve. And incidentally... Um, it is curious that anyone who seems to not only challenge our banking system, but also international banking system, 1930, they established the Bank of International Settlements in Switzerland, and it's completely free of all government control. It's not taxed, and essentially they control the money supply. And if you're unaware how this works, people, well, Henry Ford famously said if Americans understood how American banking worked, they would overthrow the system. Um, if you borrow money, and by the way, um, um, the word mortgage means until death, roughly. And <laughs> lovely, lovely. The, the Bible actually con, uh, compares a uh, debtor to a slave in the Old Testament, and um, historians would call this, the Vikings call it the gift thrall. That's when uh, you voluntarily become a slave. Now, our culture can't imagine that. Slavery's become the ultimate evil, but people used to sell themselves into slavery, typically homeless people, people that were starving, because uh, if you're a slave, you, had a, you have a place to sleep, 
food to eat, and so forth, even though you could be whipped and have bad times. Well, um, at any rate, Americans take on typically uh, voluntary slavery, in which they borrow money, and they'll spend a quarter to a third of their lives paying off the debt. And the odd part is, the money you borrow doesn't exist. That's right, created out of thin air. Yes, and when you borrow it from a bank, it's created as a, as a kind of entry, and um, they charge you interest on it. Here's the curious part. If you only made one mortgage payment, they still make a profit, technically, um, because the money's been made up. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.